It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm your host, John McDermott, and I am joined by my co-host, Carson Ray. Hey everybody, it is a great day to talk some X-Wing with y'all. And uh, that's it, just the two of us this week again. Well, yeah, uh, we are the two hosts of Radio TCX, so that's that's what we are. Um, and we're doing our you know weekly podcast, same as we always do. Yep, dropping content, uh, doing all that uh, post-editing, of course. Um, no one else is involved. It's just us. Yeah, so um, anyways, uh, this is episode 266 of Radio TCX. And um, 66, of course, is our favorite number here in Star Wars. So we thought we'd do kind of a six-themed episode to look at kind of six different pilots across two metas and... Um, see if we can throw some surprises in there. Yeah, so this week we're going to look at both formats of play and X-Wing. We're going to look at hyperspace and extended, and we are going to talk about kind of our top three surprise pilots that have been doing well in organized play um, over the course of the last couple months. And uh, yeah, we're just going to break those down. All right, so both the metagames for Hyperspace and Extended have been you know, pretty well established at this point. We've had these points for quite some time. It's been a little while since we have a release, right? And, and so kind of the top performers in, in both Hyperspace and Extended have been found and you know have, have done well. And that's not necessarily what we're looking at today. No, so we kind of looked at the stats uh, specifically from June 2nd to August 2nd of competitive tournaments that have taken place. And we kind of looked at um, the number of times pilots have appeared and like the cut rate and just overall win rate. And then kind of looked at which ones were the most interesting to us or the most surprising we thought and where these pilots landed on those lists. Um, And we did that for each format. Right. And so with an established metagame, that creates room for new pilots to find um, a competitive edge. And so if we know exactly, you know, the main forces we're going to face, well, we can find pilots that maybe aren't, you know, exactly as strong against a whole wide open field. But they line up really well uh, against, you know, kind of the known threats of each format. And like Carson said, it's been a while since we've had kind of a big release um, and even a little longer since we've had a points update. Uh, We are hopefully expecting one here in the next maybe month and a half or so. So these pilots we're going to talk about today, you'll probably see some more of them uh, in coming tournaments if there are some in the next couple weeks or even months. Uh, But hopefully we do get that points update. But uh, we're not here to talk about points. We're here just to talk about uh, cool pilots. So let's uh, jump right in and start with uh, Hyperspace, Carson. That sounds good. I love Hyperspace. Um, well, actually, someone has to. I, I, It's not my favorite right now. Um, <laughs> I think Hyperspace kind of the main things that are doing well and extended are also available in Hyperspace. And then there's not many other options. Um, and so that's where I think finding these standouts in hyperspace is even a little bit more challenging. 
Mm-hmm. Um, cause you don't have too many other choices. Like, well, okay, why would I play anything else? Um, nothing else is quite on the same power level, but that's okay. These pilots aren't necessarily on the same power level as your Bosk, uh, your Zam Wessel, uh, or, you know, um, Barons of the Empire, but they line up pretty well. Yeah, they're still good. So I think, uh, for the sake of format, we're going to start at like our number three pick and we'll work our way up to our number one pick. So one being most surprising and three being kind of like slightly less surprising. All of them are surprising. I I know maybe this one even making the list feels pretty surprising, but, um, at number three, we have, uh, Mr. Snap himself, Temin Wexley, the, um, newer version of him where you can flip the S foils of all your T seventies and get a strain and a calculate token, which is super interesting because I think this is the only ability that lets you do anything like that. Right. It is a very unique design. Um, no, we haven't really seen anything else that really utilizes flipping your S foils and it doesn't just work for Temin, right? It works for all of your T seventies at the start right. of that engagement phase. And so generally, you know, when we see a list uh, with Temin, it's going to include a lot of other T-70s to get the maximum value there. Um, so a common one in hyperspace is Temin, Jess, um, Bastion, and Nimi. Yeah, so I think we had actually talked about Nimi a little bit too, um, whether or not we wanted to include her over Snap. But we did go with Snap. Um, just a really interesting ability, you know, it still allows the T-70s, which are super mobile, um, they can still roll their maximum attack dice and have extra mods to do it. Yeah, I mean, like I was looking at Temin for my hyperspace list when I went to Dallas, um, but only seen if that was worth it with three T-70s, but I couldn't quite fit it, um, what I wanted there. Yeah, and, and like what I think works really well here that is surprising is all your T-70s get to be very mobile. Um, and like the T-70s, a lot of them are like initiative two or three, right? So they're maybe at best lining up with a lot of the main threats in the format um, or at worst, like uh, being below them in initiative. But getting that mobility, right? Being able to leverage those barrel rolls and then still flip those wings back and get maximum efficiency is really nice. Right. And, you know, if you're trying to plan out turns in a head, you could even use this the other way, right? So if they're open and you've lined up your bullseye arc, you could flip it the other way um, so that, you know, you've got the extra repositions for the following turn. Um, but if they've lined up that bullseye, they still get that extra die when they shoot. For sure. Um, yeah. And being able to flip your wings, um, you know, getting that Temin trigger, like on the turns you do a K turn where you still get, you know, some modification is amazing. Um, especially if you're supporting like Jess who gets a reroll plus a calculate, like that's very powerful or, you know, Bastion with lock. And so Temin just really sets up a lot of cool, powerful moves you get to do with your list. Um, and it turns kind of these basic T seventies into like really interesting pieces on the table. Um, I like the typical play is okay. Close your wings when you activate, do whatever, um, and then start a combat, open them. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you do have a lot of options. Yeah, and like the thing, yes, you do get a strain and like that reduces your agility. Um, but your T70s have a bunch of health. And so you can kind of use that health as a defense and just say, I'm going to roll a lot of really well modified three attack dice attacks at you. And 
offense is uh, a better defense there. So moving on to our number two pick, uh, also in a different faction, uh, we have Joy Rekoff in the Fang Fighter. Um, this one is kind of weird to me because I, I mean, yes, Joy costs like the exact same as the um, Skull Squadron pilot, right? That generic I-4. But for me, like that ability just always seems blank because I don't want to put any like upgrades on my fangs because they're already very vulnerable. Um, and so having to buy torpedoes for that pilot ability, it's like I'm never really that interested in Joy. But uh, other players seem to have no problem with this. Right. I mean, when you're list building, you kind of have to just instinctively think of Joy being higher than she is because you have to put a torpedo on her. Um, I mean, you see a lot of people playing her right now with ion torpedoes because that's nice that you get three charges instead of just two. Um, and it, I mean, that's pretty efficient, right? So for a relatively low cost, we'll put that uh, in quotes with an asterisk, uh, with her ability to get that off, um, I mean, three times to reduce your opponent's agility is pretty strong. The other factor here is that it's not necessarily just three times. Uh, because scum does have access to the cutthroat talent which allows them to get those charges back and so that value on joy with cutthroat goes up a lot more right because that before that was a limited finite ability and it's still finite right you still have so many cutthroat charges but um it's a lot more now uh depending on the order uh that your ships down the table you know and even if you aren't able to get those cutthroat triggers off you know at i4 Sometimes she can operate as an ace, and we've seen Fang Fighters perform very well as aces uh, kind of throughout their lifetime in both first and second editions of the games. Um, so, I mean, I4, Fang, pretty solid. Oh, absolutely. Getting to be that repositioner, you know, against like um, some Barons or, you know, T70s, there's a bunch of stuff, some Hawks at Initiative 3, right, that you really do want to reposition around. Um, I think Joy is in a very good spot there. I mean, and even if you're not repositioning around them, of course, you have that amazing ship ability, Concordia Faceoff, to get the extra evades when you're in your opponent's arc at range one. Um, really good on any of the fangs, really. Um, but uh, what's nice about her pilot ability, kind of specifically, is it it's a nice counter to ace play. So aces are generally maybe higher in agility, but lower in health. So if you can do anything to reduce that agility and put more damage through, uh, it's going to give you a pretty good edge. Right, like for me, like Joy seems to be kind of checking the best of both worlds. Okay, people are playing a lot of initiative three. Well, then I get to play this initiative four Fang, and that's going to be great. But if I do come across something that has a higher initiative, well, now I have this cool ability that's going to make them pretty scared. And honestly, like I'm just a sucker for any of the Fangs. I think they're all very fun. Um, I think I played Joy as part of like a quick build event, like way back when the second edition launched. Um, but I'd be interested to try her again. Right, but the thing with the Fangs was you saw the two generics and then the two top ends, right? You saw Fen Rao and Old Tarok, and those were basically yep. the four Fangs. Um, and so seeing Joy do very well um, is both surprising and really cool. Now we just got to get some uh, Cad Solus love. Yes, that's uh, that's actually my favorite of the Fangs, but yeah. <laughs> But anyway, uh, getting up to the top here, our number one pick, uh, we did go with Shock T in the Ada class uh, Starfighter for the Republic faction. And like, maybe this one isn't as surprising. I, I It still surprises me, so it, it made my list. Um, like, 
and part of it is I think this ship just overperforms. Um, and so like, yes, some people have been playing Shakti and doing very well with it, but I think more people should be playing Shakti. Well, and her ability, you know, is a super good support ability, being able to spend her force to allow friendly ships to keep their green tokens. Um, you see this backed up a lot with the Jedi Knights over in the Aether Sprite, uh, usually three of them. And, you know, being able to give those Jedi Knights the extra token, you know, for a turn or two, because you most often see those taken with the Delta 7B config, which does lower their agility. But you could have two of your Jedi Knights going in uh, focus animated uh, to give them an extra defense and that's pretty powerful right the jedi knights are doing well because they get to basically be like double modded with either you know focus or lock uh plus the force um but then shakti allows them to be triple modded um for some of them when they really need um you know to be in the thick of things and so like taking that evade the turn ahead like really isn't that big of a cost on the jedi knights because like okay it's purple you lose the force but the next turn you're back at full force because they just have the one and then you got to hold that evade. And now you get a, you know, like five straight, you know, just get into the danger zone. And, you know, you have evade, a force, um, and either a log or a focus. Um, or maybe you got blocked and that's fine. Uh, you know, you have an evade force and you're in a really good spot. Um, and then your other Jedi Knights get to come in and they're going to be farther away, right? So that's a tough choice for your opponent. Um, do I shoot at the farther away Jedi Knights, you know, that probably still have focus force, but they're going to be rolling maybe three green dice or shoot at the one that's evaded. And so then like basically what Shakti does is just keeps these really good guns, right? The Jedi Knights have just efficient weapons, keeps them on the table longer, right? They just have the six health, but with just a sheer weight of mods, they just stick around a very long time. Right. And of course that Ada Actus ship does have the cannon slot so you'll see people take either like the jamming beam or an ion cannon on her just for that extra support so obviously jamming beam taken away people's tokens so that those jedi knights can have an even juicier shot against your opponent or you're just trying to get in some control abilities with the ion uh, those jedi knights and even shock t uh, are very kind of quick to reposition so they've got you know boost barrel roll um, they have the hard ones on the dial um, and then if you're even trying to get just extra token support, uh, you can put patience on her too, um, because she's not the heavy gun in this list. So, you know, she can take a deplete to get a force token back and then use that ability even more often than she would, uh, normally. Well, and so that's the thing that I think actually really did put shock T over the edge is that patience, uh, because the support is very powerful, but like it has a limit, right? You only have so many force charges and maybe you need to spend your force for some other stuff like protecting Shakti. And so you're just reducing your attack value by one with that deplete to get a force back. Um, and so you can really, you know, hold around all of your tokens, like kind of every turn. Um, like gamut key is doing really well on the scum side and that ability gets to happen every other turn. Like Shakti can be doing this every turn. Uh, with patience, right? And then, like you mentioned, those cannons. Well, those are both scary control cannons that aren't really there to deal damage. Uh, they just need to connect, right? They just need to hit. And so that deplete there really isn't as much of a drawback. Like, you still get to meaningfully contribute to the fight, um, whether you're using the ion cannon or tractor cannon, um, with that deplete. And so it just, like, 
gets to be this amazing sport and still like do something meaningful. Uh, it's, it's very cool. And I think more people need to be jumping on board the shock T train. I would agree. I mean, also, you know, higher initiative ship as well. Uh, it's got access to that systems phase booster barrel roll and then could do the inverse of whatever they chose again. So it does have that double repositioning ability and can even in some cases operate as an ace. And we've seen a lot of initiative three and initiative two stuff in the meta right now. So four is a really solid place to be and uh, can give her an edge. You know, if she does need to line up that bullseye and just take a really juicy bullseye shot at a ship, she can do that too. Absolutely. But while I think all of those ships are cool, uh, I think we should get to the format that I think is more interesting, personally. I mean, I like it better, too, right now, yeah. for sure. Yep, let's uh, just extend on over there. All right, so let's look at our top three extended meta picks. Yeah, so coming in right away, number three, we have Fifth Brother in the TIE Advanced X1. V1. It is V1. I always get them mixed up. Um, I feel like every time we do like, oh, obscure lists that people should be playing more of, uh, Fifth Brother, I feel like always makes that list. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love him. Uh, when they announced him uh, as part of that pilot pack that came out, I think it was the Hot Shots and Aces, uh, I was in. Like, he's super cool. He's got a really interesting ability. Um, he can, you know, add that crit. He's got the two force. Um, and it, again, you know, we're looking at another Initiative 2, Initiative 3 meta um, just a really solid mid-range option to counter some of the stuff that's being put on the table. Right. Well, so Fifth Brother, like, always does well regardless of the meta, right? Like, Fifth Brother always at least is decent. Mm-hmm. So this is already a pretty good ship, and then just, like, the stars are aligning for, you know, this is the time to play your Fifth Brother. Um, like, he does fine when he moves first, um, but he doesn't have to right now, right? So he gets to be this like super powerful ace, um, everything you wanted the Grand Inquisitor to be. And then, you know, kind of like the same thing that happened with Joy, right? It's like, okay, when I do hit those situations where people are moving after me, well, I have this homing missile, right? Which is perfect for those low health, um, high initiative aces to just say, stay away from me. Right, because you get that hit and then you just use the ability to add that crit in uh yep take a hit crit seems good um and we've just seen over the course of second edition the just the power of the chassis that the tie advance brings um you know it's got three greens you know a lot of the good pilots have force it's got access to the evade super maneuverable um so just yeah fifth brother i think will continue to impress me uh, even at his points cost now um which i would say for this ability is reasonable um, I mean, you don't have to take that homing missile on him. It gives him a nasty edge against those aces, but you know the the chassis alone uh, can support a list without that homing missile. Yeah, um, then you just get a very like defensive ship that can occasionally just kind of poke in there or block. You know, middle to high initiative blockers are never bad against high initiative aces. Sure aren't, but you know, I don't think. Obviously, we didn't put this at number one, most surprising. I think there's a lot to break down here about our number two pick, though, uh, which is Lando Calrissian in the Scum Falcon. Um, Dude's gross. Yeah, and so, like, a lot of these 
Pots are looking at like, oh, like these guys have pretty aggressive costing. The Scum Falcon is at a like very cheap price point, and especially Lando. And, and I think part of this is being noticed because, okay, Scum have all these great crew options right now. Um, like not just they have access to Zam, but you know they have um, Gamut Key and Protectorate Gleb, um, which are very powerful support options. And so suddenly we're looking at, okay, well, we can take this Falcon and it doesn't have to be like the main damage dealer. It can just be a super cheap support ship that just has a ton of health. Yeah, I mean, eight hull, three shields, large base, can block if he needs to. Uh, you could just load this guy to the gills with really solid support options in the form of either a controller support crew. Uh, you could put thread tracers on him if you were trying to help other ships get target locks for double modded munitions. Um, there's a really, really strong illicit upgrades that you could put on him. Several, you know, you've got false transponder codes. I mean, you could put contraband on there if you want to. Um, and then, you know, you've got the title and just some other things that you can do to make this ship just an absolute cannon to be reckoned with on the board, you know, for like 55, 56 points, uh, which is pretty wild. Yeah. And, and I think maybe for a perspective there, um, Paylob with uh, Gamut Key and Moldy Crow is 60 points, uh, which is a good support ship uh, that does contribute to the fight, um, but has five health, right? And so Lando is is cheaper than that. Higher initiative, substantially more health, um, you know, equally powerful support. In that mobile turret, like it does add up, right? Uh, yes. Um, having the ability to just kind of, you know, again in this meta, be able to see where ships are going to be, you know, and either decide it's worth rotating my arc to get shots, or you know what, I just use that library of control and support things that i put on my chassis to support all my other ships um the flexibility there for the cost is just it, it's really good um and you know it it does surprise me because i think the scum falcon uh like people can tr like continue to try and give it love since it's come out uh it, it, the model is gorgeous it was fun to see in solo um and i i feel like you know, Han has seen a decent amount of play, but it, it's interesting to see Lando come up uh, into the forefront a little bit. And it's not a surprise why. It's just kind of a surprise to see it, if that makes sense. Yeah, like we've seen Lando in his little shuttle, but to see him in the big Falcon is really cool. Yeah, and then just to tie it all up with a nice bow, our number one pick, uh, I think, Carson, you got to introduce this one because this is one of your personal favorites, right? Uh, it sure is. Although, like, it's surprising to me. And so, like, I think I need to do some more research because I think our highest, like, overperforming ship that we think more people should be playing in Extended is Asajj Ventress. And I'm still not 100% sure why this ship is really overperforming. I know it's not just XY flying it. I mean, the, the Lancer class Pursuit Craft is such an interesting chassis. Um, you know, and with Asajj as the pilot, you get two force points, you get a pretty decent amount of health, you get a really good dial. Um, yeah, it's got a mobile arc, but it's effectively just a one arc ship if you really want to get the benefit of the, 
you know, a shadow caster title, giving out some tractor tokens. Um, but I think, you know, Lancer class pursuit craft does have those crew slots, uh, which opens up a lot of opportunity because scum have so many good, uh, like named crew options. Um, and even just some of the generic options aren't terrible to put on your shadow caster. Yeah. And like one of the nice things there, right? So you have the two force, uh, 10 health. You can take that evade action, which was always kind of one of the appeals of the Lancer to start with. Uh, but that pairs really well with uh, Gamut Key, you know, getting to hold on to those tokens. And so you can come in, you know, with your defense up, right? You have that evade token you saved, um, and then you're free to take a lock or rotate that turn. Uh, plus, you have your force as well. So you get to be both offensive and defensive with the slash. And I think that's where it's doing really well. It's kind of riding that line. It's like this hard to take the ship away. Um, and it does get a meaningfully contribute turn after turn after turn. And you can go in a couple different directions with her too, right? Like you can, you can take some good crew, maybe in the form of like triple zero or BT one, uh, not BT one. That's a gunner. Um, and you can kind of lean into that stress ability, that works with her actual pilot ability, um, which I think you saw a lot of people use more in first edition. Um, a lot of times here, because of the addition of force, I think you you see the force used for actual mods. I don't think you use the force for her ability super often, um, especially if you're taking some of those other scum options that can either A, take tokens away, or B, just, uh, I guess, take them away in different ways, like old Tarok, just get rid of them. Um, so like there's a couple different directions you could go with her and any of them to be quite honest are viable um, and fun. I think it's just, it's interesting to see a shadow caster on top. Yeah. I think Asajj is lining up really well with the scum pilots that are, are doing decent. Like you got old Tarok, Palop stealing tokens, Tarani punishing people who don't have tokens, or you have like false transponder codes dealing out jams, right? So people don't have their green tokens. Uh, so you get to stress them. Uh, just a lot of good options there to make Asajj just a little bit more meaningful. And I think, I guess, all of that sort of adds up to it's doing really well and more people should be playing Asajj. And I'm, I think I'm going to clump me into that category of I, I need to be playing some Asajj. <laughs> yeah, I've always say i want to put shadow casters on the table and then i like never do it um so either if it's asajj or ketsu uh i'll be throwing one out soon so that's kind of our quick look at uh the three most surprising pilots in both of the formats right now um carson anything you kind of want to you know wrap up and put a bow on here um well i'm guessing our listeners probably picked up on this um and this wasn't deliberate when we were making the list, but all these happen to be initiative four pilots. Um, well, Hey, if everyone's playing initiative three, maybe we should be looking at these initiative four pilots. Turns out that's what people are doing and they're doing well with them, right? You find that right initiative four pilot that does get a leverage that advantage while still being able to hang with all those initiative threes. Uh, well then you're in a very good spot and that's what all six of these pilots are doing. And you, like there is still some high initiative stuff, right? Like Zam Wessel's at five, Django's at six, Fen Rao's at six. Like those are things you need to be able to deal with. Um, and all these ships do that as well. All of these ships at I-4 are really good. Um, they're also just really fun. I think, you know, looking at this list, 
there's some really fun, interesting abilities here um, that haven't always gotten their time in the sun to shine. Uh, and I hope that, you know, as more people are doing well, it encourages more people to look into ships like this that don't see a lot of playtime and get them on the table. Um, something that I think is underrated. I think if you're having fun, you are more likely to make some good plays. I agree. Well, there we go. Uh, I think well, let's call that a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the podcast, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Also, please consider going on iTunes and leaving the show a five-star review, saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash Radio TCX and become a supporter of the show today. And thank you to everyone who's already supported the show. Again, folks, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. It's a crap.